You're listening to the 514 Soccer Podcast with Joey, Amy and Grant. episode of the 514 Soccer Podcast. I'm Joey Alfieri and joining me uh, at least once a week on this podcast are uh, a couple of uh, former national team players. I could have been on the national team, uh, but I decided uh, not to go. Uh, let's go around the table here. Let's bring in uh, Amy Walsh. Amy, what's going on? Hi, Joey. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Well, I'm not really having you because it's our show, uh, but uh Hey, I mean, you you invited yourself on, so I guess uh, we're just kind of going to make this work uh, week after week, at least for the rest of the uh, CF Montreal season. Who knows? Maybe they go to MLS Cup Final uh, all the way on uh, December the 12th, and uh, we keep rolling for a while. And uh, we also have the original number nine, of course, uh, Grant Needham, who played for the uh, Montreal Impact, and uh, I think he played for Canada a time or two as well, just like Amy did. Grant, what's going on? Not much. What's going on, guys? Fun fact about Amy Walsh. Yeah. I did some research yes. about her she legendary career. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Amy Walsh ap- appears on a list, if you look her up, yeah. from famous Amy Walsh's. <laughs> She's number two on the list. Really? She's oh. number two. Then I looked up. Famous Grant Needham's, yeah, number one, yeah, and then I looked up famous Joey Alfieri's. There's not even a list. No, there is. So, there there's is. not a list. No, there's there not is. a list. There's no list of that. It's Amy Walsh me. is number two on the Amy Walsh list. Fantastic. Well, I, I'd like to believe I'm in the top five uh, because the number one Joey Alfieri. Fun fact: before we break down some soccer, he was a linebacker at Stanford University and has bounced around different practice rosters in the NFL. And for whatever reason, uh, blocked me on Twitter. Uh, not Stanford, <laughs> the only school that counts is Nebraska. That's right. Uh, Amy Walsh, very proud yeah. Nebraska alum, uh, I believe. Uh, shout out Concordia University. Grant, you're Concordia University. Concordia University. University. There you go. So it's uh, two to one. Uh, I think our education might have been a little bit more affordable than Amy's. But of course, Amy, you got a free ride, didn't you? I did, yeah. There you go. Of course, fancy, 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 uh, Walshy. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, Grant and I called the uh, CF Montreal TFC. It's a, it was a one-one loss. That's how I'm gonna refer to it as, because um, it was the first time all season that I felt like I was gonna vomit on the radio at the end of that game. It was really, really gross. Um, and after the game, I heard James Pantemis, the keeper for CF Montreal. He came out and said that he thought the wall, he had positioned it correctly, Amy, and he felt like Miljevic kind of turning to the side. He was the left part of the wall is the reason why uh, the ball did not hit the wall. I kind of disagree. I felt like for the ball to hit the wall, the wall would have had to jump a couple feet left. Uh, But curious, Amy, how you saw it. And then Grant, uh, get your thoughts after Amy's done. So I'll say initially, just in in the run of play, seeing it live, I thought the wall initially was positioned too far inside. Um, So I'm not a goalkeeper. I never had any experience being a goalkeeper. But what I remember for walls and when they were positioned, I was always in the wall. I wasn't the biggest player on the pitch, but I was uh, 
I was great in the air and I was going to be somebody who was going to sacrifice my body probably for the team. So I was always in there in some respect. I was never the first man. To me, it has to be somebody taller, number one. Number two, you always put at least a half or an extra person kind of to the inside of that wall. So it's too far inside to me. It should like the default position should be if you're looking at it from Altador's perspective, you're looking at the net. Um, it should be over at least a person and a half more to the right. The ball does bend around the wall. You could argue, you know, till you're blue in the face that Miljevic turning, like would it have hit him if he'd stand, stood tall? Um, I think you could, you could argue that. But I think that by him turning halfway and then sticking the leg out, uh, hopefully, is just, you, you don't do that. And you could also say just so many things led to that. Grant, you mentioned failed clearances, the uh, Hamdi not taking it to the corner flag. I mean, so many, so many things happen, mistakes before it gets to that point. Does does is it a savable shot? Can does it slide under Pentemis's arm? But I think the wall. Uh, there, there's so many errors there. So you look at set pieces. Who's in charge of that? Um, what about the players on the field? Um, to get somebody Johnson was on the field get him in the wall like I mean there's so many things you can discuss but yeah I don't know if Pantemis throws Miljevic under the bus but I think that they're both at fault for what happened yeah maybe maybe Bjorn Johnson instead of being on the wall Grant maybe he can bury the chance five minutes earlier when he's 1v1 with the keeper how about that well, thing is, you can't, you've got to bury that, and then this becomes a mute point. But yeah. the thing is, you only when you're taking free kicks, and I've been on the other side, I've been in the wall, and I've been taking free kicks. You always try to say, All right, what can I take advantage of? And Altador stepped up, talked to whoever he was with, and said he's going to bend it around because he doesn't feel the wall was set up properly. The only reason you bend it around that side is because you feel you can curl it around the wall because it's not set properly. Right. So I think Pentamis is wrong. I think he actually sets the wall wrong. But like Amy said, there was multiple times to clear the ball. Miljevic, you can you can you can say it's his fault by turning, sticking a leg out. But he also had a chance to knock the ball high, wide, and wonderful, get it out of play before the free kick. He doesn't. He tries to be cutesy, tries to flick it over the player. He loses it. He fouls him ultimately, and then there's a free kick. There's a multiple like there's multiple places and chances that Montreal had to to clinch this game. They made mistakes. I think the wall was set up wrong. I think Miljevic turning in the wall is a huge mistake. And I still believe that Pantemis is partly at fault for the save. That's the third goal that he's given up on direct shots. Yeah. There's a problem with that. We saw it in Philadelphia. Two goals in Philadelphia came off direct shots that he was either positioned wrong or stunned the ball got through. And this is the third one. And this could be a big one for Montreal. They're chasing the playoff spot. They're on the outside looking in now. And that was a big three points that they missed out on. Yeah, ironically enough, and I think we mentioned this on the broadcast quite a bit, Grant, but uh, Pantemis was unbelievable. Like, there was a right-hand save on Altidore from in close. Crazy good. Like, he was on the bench for the MLS team of the week, and he conceded a goal that he probably uh, should have had, or he definitely uh, should have had. Uh, I want to ask you guys this. When it comes to setting the wall. And I know, Grant, you were a forward, Amy, you mentioned you're a defensive midfielder. You're both in the walls at some point, but how much more challenging is it, Grant, when, if you look back at the way TFC, you know, sets up before the, 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 uh, the free kick, it's Pozuelo on one side, Altidore on the other side. So could it be, Pantemis was asked after the game, if he had set up the wall, anticipating Pozuelo was going to shoot, 
So does that take any of the blame off Pantemis? Because you just you don't know who's gonna you know who's gonna wind up and take that. And listen, we just discussed it. What you normally do is you set the wall on the far post. So the the wall is to take away half the net, the keeper versus the other half of the net. So whether it's a right-footed shot, left-footed shot, if it's a left-footed shot curls over the wall and gets into that top corner, fair enough. What do you do? Like that's the, the player did a great job. But Altidore realized that that wall was set up a little bit too much inside. He had the ability to bend it around. It wasn't a hard shot. It was yeah. just a curling shot that gets low. And uh, the, I, I still believe that the wall wasn't set up right. I think that M- Miljevic is going to take a lot of heat from not clearing it and then turning in the wall, which is unacceptable. When I played, I was the bullet guy. So when, the, when your bullet is, as soon as the ball moves, you've got to get to the ball. Right. And it's, it's a thankless job, and you get hammered with the ball a whole bunch of times. But the guys in the wall, their job is to stand strong and just whatever it is, if it's a slide, you just you stand there. Because you hope that the wall is set up properly. You don't You don't move. You don't turn your back. You don't do any of those things. You have to take that away. And if the keeper doesn't trust the, the guys in the wall, then you're in big trouble because that net is way too big when the, and the quality of players shooting at you is too good. So whether it was a left-footed uh, Pazuela or the right-footed Altidore, I think that the keeper has got to set the wall, trust it, and just take the other half of the net. He obviously didn't trust the wall because he came across and tried to make that save. He wasn't positioned on the other side. He came across and tried to make that save. It scoots underneath him. So I'm not 100% sure if there's something they're going to have to look at. But again, I go back to three direct free kicks have beaten Pantemis in the last couple of games. Yeah, yeah I would, I would agree yep. with everything, everything Grant just said. Also, um, mental lapses. So this team, whenever a free kick is awarded, um, whether you agree with the call or not, you have to still be engaged and in the game. And that is who is, who's leading on the field. Like we saw Camacho play an outstanding game uh, two games ago. That is what this team needs out of him. So he, yes, he had an outstanding performance, but the way that every time the camera was on him, he was shouting instructions and he was gesturing and stuff like that. That's what this team needed in those dying minutes of the game against TFC. So to me, there's, there's those mental lapses. There's the wall, which is, you could argue, the, the faults with it. But why are there only four guys in that wall? Mm. It's stoppage time. The ref technically should have already blown the whistle. This is going to be the last gasp of the game. You put four guys in that wall, I don't get it. Um, and uh, Joey, to your question about whether it's a, a left-footed shot or a right-footed shot, I totally agree with Grant. It should, the wall should just cover that part of the net. So to go back to the mental lapses, Pantemis is his has hesitated on these uh, on these set pieces, and so you you have to you have to fix that. Whether that's coming from the coaching staff and whoever's dealing with set pieces, maybe it's Sima. I would guess it is, but um, you, you just you just have to make sure that that's taken care of. So on the field, there's no question. Everybody just goes where they need to be, and then you're engaged. You're re-engaged right away so that you can defend those properly, which is what this team hasn't done. We're talking about the free kick goal given up, which is overshadowing the – obviously, you, you talked about leadership. When Yama not being in the lineup, you see the effect. Yeah. There's none of that leadership in the middle of the park that Amy was just talking about. There's no real captain where he grabs the game and team by the scruff of the neck and says, this is what we have to do. But the, the free kick giving up, and that's what we're spending all our time on, 
But how many chances did Montreal miss? Johnson yeah. is the guy that's supposed to be coming in here. He's a veteran guy, scored goals everywhere else. Yeah. He has scored two goals in 45 minutes for Montreal. Yeah. Two goals in 45 minutes in Miami, and he hasn't scored again. He hasn't even looked dangerous. This time he gets a ball just outside the six-yard box. No one around it. The keeper is one-on-one -on -one with him. He doesn't hit the target. Yeah. If you put away your chances, we're not even talking about this free kick at the end. We're yeah. not even talking about mistakes and the wall should have done this, should have done this, three points, you know, two points lost instead of three points gained. I just think that the woeful finishing by Montreal and, and they're, they're just wasting their chances – are causing them to slip farther and farther behind some of these top teams. Yeah, well, you talked about uh, the chance in Johnson missed, and you're talking about the, uh, the the missing Wanyama. I think the other guy very clearly that they missed, and it's not to take a, it's not, I'm not taking a shot at Ibrahim because I thought Ibrahim was his best game he looked as a starter anyway. Uh, it's the best that he's looked all season, and you can tell there's been some progress there. But with if Kyoto's healthy and ready to go, he starts, and who knows how the game goes then. And then you can bring on an Ibrahim who has three goals off the bench going into that game. And maybe he kills off the game. You know, maybe that's yeah, what it comes down to. So, that, so they miss Kyoto. They miss Wanyama. Those are two important leaders on this team. Yes, but you're also saying, okay, a striker's job is to put the ball in the back of the net. Yeah. Ibrahim gets his one chance, really a couple of chances, but he buries the ball. Yeah. So he's done his job. Oh, yes, it's great to have Kyoto and it's a different dynamic, but you can't fault the guy that put the ball in the back of the net. For sure. It's the guys that came on. They were there. You look down the bench and you say, all right, who can come on to close this game out? And those guys, in my opinion, failed to do their job. They failed to do their job. And we're talking about missed clearances, missed this, missed that. But the reality is the missed chances caused them to fall back onto one little element of a 94-minute game that cost them the three points. Yeah. It just, Amy, I know you want to jump in, but just before uh, we do that, I know you mentioned, Amy, Hamdi, uh, there was a chance, he, he could have taken the ball to the corner, uh, took the shot instead, they lose possession, and, and Toronto goes the other way, it sets up the free kick. But you guys remember in Atlanta, it was the first time Montreal played in front of a big crowd since COVID had hit. They were playing in front of 40,000. Uh, Grant, you and I did the game. Ibrahim. It was, nil -nil. It was Ibrahim, went to the corner. Uh, in, uh, he did not go to the corner, took a shot, went the other way. And after the game, Wilfred Nancy had told me when I asked him, he's like, well, we want the guys to be smart but aggressive, kill, try to kill off the game. And if you score, it does that. And hindsight's 20-20. He was more concerned about the breakdowns going the other way once Ibrahim lost the ball. I don't know that I necessarily agree with that. And who knows? Look. Maybe he's dispossessed in the corner, Amy, and maybe the end result is the same. Or maybe Toronto ties the game. Maybe they don't. I don't know. But it's kind of a, it's a weird thought process because I feel like when I'm watching in Europe, it's like just natural. Let's take it to the corner flag. Let's try to kill off as much time as we possibly can. But here, I mean, it seems like coach is preaching something a little different. Even if he's preaching something a little bit different, that has to also to go back to leadership. What is Piet telling him to do? What are all those guys behind him telling him to do? Even if it, your coach says, you're, you're a striker or you're an attacking midfielder, I want to see you take every opportunity to drive to the net, you still have to recognize the situation that you're in. And uh, to me, he takes that ball to the corner. He might get dispossessed. Yeah. It might go out for a throw, but then, you know, TFC has a throw deep in their own end 
and chances are uh, CF Montreal is able to regain possession. Maybe they're fouled. You know, you're able to kill the time off in a different way that stems from the initial run towards the corner to try to kill the time. And he's not doing that at, you know, before stoppage time. This is this is deep in stoppage time. If you're doing that in the 89th, in the 89th minute, then I see the argument for, okay, you had an opportunity, you, you tried to take it 1v1, no problem. But there, I, I think there there's, there's no debate that that has to be towards the corner. And just to go back to what we were talking about before to kind of tie it up with a neat little bow about yeah. Johnson, maybe it was in the replay and it's unfair because it's the benefit of the, of the, of slow motion or seeing it again, his body language to me is not of a guy. He's a, he's a striker. He wants that ball all day, every day in that position, whether he's marked or not. And he looked off balance. He looked just not at ease with that ball coming to him, just didn't inspire confidence. And so that is not a good thing for me watching that. I mean, I can't imagine what the coaching staff is thinking. So you look down the bench as Grant was saying, who's going to finish this game off for me? I don't know if he sees another opportunity on the field after seeing the, yes, you know, the, he might end up putting that in the back of that. That's great. But like he misses and then you get, you have the benefit of the replay and it just looks terrible to me. That's not a, he just looks like a shadow of himself. What I also think is happening with this Montreal team. And we worried about it at the beginning, young team, sort of a lot of rookie young guys on this team, a couple of veterans, but young guys, young coaching staff, Wilfred Nancy, even though he's done a great job, he's still a, young coach in his career of coaching to go forward. And what you're seeing now is little hiccups in what's going on and they're happening at the worst possible time, but at the predictable time where it's the most stressful, it's the hardest part of the season. You're in that playoff hunt. You're in that final stretch to get in. And this is where you're going to see if, you know, everything breaks under stress. And right now Montreal's in a stressful situation and these young guys and young coaches are stressed to the max and certain things are breaking the breakdown in the free kick, the breakdown in not knowing like there's times to manage a game. And as you get more and more experienced in your playing career, you understand about managing game first 15 minutes, you sort of earn the right to play the game. The final five minutes, you're up one, nothing. You kill as much time as possible. And to your point, Amy, when you are in the corner, so you lose it. That gives your team behind you an opportunity to set up properly. You get everyone set in your defensive stance. You can set up your block. You understand where you're going to do it. If you lose it in the flow play, like Montreal's done in the past, it's you're, you've got two or three guys out of position. The other team picks it up. They can make decisions going forward. You're already broken down. And that's an issue that I think that as you get an older, more mature team, they understand the realities of where you are in the game. And right now, Montreal's a young team, young coaching staff, and they play every minute the same. They're always playing the same. They play the 90th minute like they're playing the first minute. And that's not what you're going to do as you get a little bit more experience. That game should have been killed off with five minutes to go. 85th minute should have been dead. You don't want to play. Guys go down, ball gets slowed down. Everything you do is in slow motion. If the referee tells you to pick it up, not a problem, sir. And you just go along your way, you pick it up. You go from zero to one mile an hour. These guys are still going as if the game is on the line. You've got to slow it down. And that's, that's being a little bit more of a professional. 
Uh, is everybody good with uh, like the TFC? Anybody want to get anything else? Well, I'm not good with the TFC. TFC. No, no, but are you, are, you good, are you good with the venting uh, that you did on TFC? Or are you ready to move on to something I'm else? I'm pretty sure we're going to come back to it, but yes. <laughs> Amy, you good with uh, you good with what you said? You're good with that? Yeah, ready to move on. Okay. Um, so Forge FC, uh, Montreal's playing in Hamilton, Canadian Championship semifinal. And we've seen this before. I mean, we've seen Montreal go to the final of the CONCACAF Champions League. Uh, back in uh, 2015, I believe it was. And you've got three regular season games left. You haven't locked up a playoff spot yet. You're not even in a playoff spot as of right now. And you're this close to winning a cup. And anybody who's anybody, especially the Canadian guys, will tell you that they want to win the Canadian championship. So, Amy, how do you balance the two? Uh, I'm going, honestly, like I want to win on Wednesday, no doubt about it. Uh, but I still think I'm going to go with an A minus lineup just because I, I've got to get into the playoffs. Like, I've got to beat Houston. I've uh, got to do, I mean, I don't even know. I'm not sure how many of the nine points you need down the stretch. I feel like you maybe need all nine to secure something for yourself. But I really want to win this Canadian championship because I want to be in the CONCACAF Champions League. So, how do you balance both? Like, where would your priority be, Amy? Yeah, I think it has to be a regular season. And everybody keeps talking about, well, I say everybody, the people I follow on Twitter <laughs> keep talking about the, the 47 as the magic number to get into the playoffs. But I, I think it might be more than that. I mean, given how tight it is, um, you know, from, from three to eight right now and Montreal sitting in, in eighth position, yeah, your focus has to be on making the playoffs. So I, I agree with you, Joey. I think that you go into this game uh, tomorrow night against Forge FC with, you know, your your uh, lineup that you feel confident in, but a lineup that is going to do two things for you. Hopefully, give you the win, get you into the into the final. It's the semifinals, yes. Semifinals, yeah. yeah. Uh, get you into the final, um, but also maybe give you an opportunity to um, to get some guys some valuable minutes so that maybe they get rotated in to uh you know your your three final regular season games yeah grant it's um the, the three games left uh, are uh, red bulls on saturday uh in at red bull arena which is never kind to montreal it seems uh, and then they have two home games they have houston dynamo who have been eliminated uh from playoff contention at stad saputo on november the third it's a wednesday and then the season finale which is I mean, just one of the great days in North American sports, in my opinion, like MLS, the, the final day, everybody plays at the same time. It's going to be chaos. Uh, and they play Orlando at Stad Saputo on uh, November the 7th. Uh, again, I think you need nine out of nine. I think at the very least you need seven. Uh, Amy, you were talking about it. They've got 43 right now, which ties them with Red Bull and Atlanta for uh, sixth and seventh, but they're on the outside looking in. The New York City's got 44. Orlando has 47. So, I mean, granted, it's it's going to be pretty chaotic. So 47 is not enough. Question. For, you don't think 47 is enough? 47 is not enough. Yeah. 47 is not enough. And, you know, like you talked about the, the game tomorrow night, Forge FC against Montreal. I've never been a fan of fighting a war on two fronts. You're never successful right. if you sort of, oh, I'm going to put half my eggs in this basket, half my eggs in this basket. It just doesn't work out that way. What you do is, like Amy said, you put a sort of a, you say an A-minus lineup. I don't even know if they have an E-minus lineup to put out <laughs> with all the injuries and the team that's going on, right? So I just think you put out a young team, you give them minutes, you, you hope for the best, 
But the reality is Saturday's game is the, is the most yeah. important of these games. Like if this was a final, then you're looking for a cup. I, I might be a little bit different, but uh, as of right now, I, I just don't see how you would find this season successful. If you say, get to the final, imagine you get to the final, lose the final, don't make the playoffs. Then you've lost it on both yeah. sides. So I just think that right now the MLS is the most important. It's the, it's the one that you've worked the longest. It's the one that you've worked the hardest on. I think that you've got to save some guys for that. You've got to make sure that you, you don't play, you know, obviously you don't put out a lineup that you think is going to lose, but there's a lot of guys that have got to prove themselves. Those are the guys that be playing in the, in the Wednesday game. And then it's ruled it's, you've got to put all hands on deck for these next three games. I don't think 47 points gets you in, not in this situation because there's so many teams and after tonight, you're going to see there's a, you know, it's the nice thing about it is the matchups that are happening tonight. One of those two, like the four teams that are playing, they're ball playing each other. So there's yeah. going to be a little bit more of a changing of the guard and you'll see exactly where you play out in the next 24 hours. But I just think that if you're Montreal, this Wednesday is a secondary club. Then Saturday, you put your primary lineup out there and you've got to get maximum points. You've got to at least pick up seven points. But I, I even think that nine is nine gets you in seven. You I still toes. think you're on the outside looking in. Yeah. I, and just to look back, uh, and by the way, uh, I was talking to uh, my buddy, Louis B, who covers Forge uh, out in Hamilton. Like, this they're already billing this this is the biggest game in club history and this is a team that's won the first two cpl finals like apparently it was pouring sideways in hamilton on monday and these guys had a 90 minute training session outdoors like they're taking this like this is their this is their big time so i don't think they're going to be an easy out um so looking at the lineup that montreal had in the quarterfinal against halifax guys uh, they had breza in goal which i anticipate is going to happen again they had Basson, Camacho, and Waterman on the back line. They had uh, Grant Needham's favorite midfielder, Emmanuel Maciel, playing next to Sam Piet. Uh, the wingbacks were Kiza and Bahia, and uh, they played with the three attacking players, Romiljevic, who scored, Sunusi, and Hamdi. Uh, and it was 1-1 very deep in that game when Balu Tabla came off the bench and uh, scored two goals, one right before at a time and one in at a time. So a 3-1 scoreline against Halifax is deceiving a little bit. Because uh, uh, it wasn't an authoritative win, not by any stretch. But I think that's kind of the same lineup uh, that uh, that they should go with. I don't know if you want to give Camacho a breather or not. Uh, I don't think Kyoto or Wanyama. I don't even know if they're healthy enough to play, and I wouldn't put them in there anyway. But that's kind of the lineup. Like when I say A minus B plus lineup, like that's what I'm talking about. But you might have to replace a Sunusi if you need him on the weekend. Like I don't know, Grant. You've seen Sunusi all year. And he doesn't look like a guy who can give you starting minutes week in and week out yet. So I'm not going to start him Saturday night, start him Wednesday. And then if Kyoto's not available to start on Saturday in, in New York, I'm not going to put Sanusi to start three times in a row. So it might be Bjorn Johnson come on down again. Yeah, but the thing is, though, you, you're also you can't compare the two from the beginning of the season to where Ibrahim is now. Beginning of the season, he came on with a reputation. He can score goals. It yeah. wasn't happening to him early at this in, in his career, earlier in the season. Now he's sitting on four goals, playing with confidence. He looks like a different player. He looks like a player that is hungry to get to the ball, hungry to turn on players, hungry to shoot the ball and get into those dangerous areas. That wasn't what you got. 
But I do agree he's still young. And everyone says, oh, he's young. He can play three games in a row. Yes, physically. But mentally, is he prepared to play three games in a row? These guys, when they first come over to MLS, they come into North America, they don't realize how big North America is. They don't realize that you're traveling from east to west. And they're like, oh, it's only a four-hour flight through three time zones. You get there and you're like, what's going on? So there's a whole bunch of things that uh, come into play. And it's only in the second year you see these guys settle down and then they, they realize, okay, this is what life is really like in North America. So I think that he's a young guy. He's playing with confidence, whereas Bjorn Johnson is playing with zero confidence. So I think that uh, you might not want to go with this guy, but uh, I think you are sort of stuck between a rock and a hard place because that's the only option you really have up top. Yeah, the salaries uh, came out last week, the updated ones, and uh, Bjorn Johnson's on seven figures. So, I mean, at a certain point, uh, he's going to have to deliver. He's under contract for next year, too. I don't think they're going to be able to get rid of him. Uh, Amy, but at the same time, I mean, we've seen some weird things in MLS. Like, I believe that he's talented enough to come back next year. I know we're all writing off Johnson, and rightfully so. He doesn't deserve the benefit of the doubt right now. But I can see him come back, Amy, next year and, I don't know, play that secondary role. I'm not saying he's going to hit double figures, but I think he can give you more than two. Yeah, well, I mean, I would hope so, because I agree with you. They're not going to be able to to lay him off on anybody else. I don't think at this point with with his production this year, but maybe you, you give him another chance. Maybe he starts against forge and, and you hope that that's what he needs to, to kickstart his game. But to me, it's not happening. He's, he's, he's sort of checked out or whether it's a mental or a physical thing, but he, he really doesn't look like a guy who believes in himself And so for a player, like I've been there, I had a time where I was out of the national team and I had zero confidence. It affects your game. And it's really hard to just say, okay, I'm just going to grow this game and this is going to do it. I just need one to get myself going. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. I love how you reminded people. Sorry, I know. I love how that subtle flex of, yeah, I was on the national team. I was slow in confidence, but I was on the national team. Sorry, (laughs) man. Yeah, yeah, that, that's something that we'll never hear from you, right, Joe? Well, <laughs> I the thing them is, down. Though, I turned them but, down. All right, there's, there's two sides to this coin. Mason Toy last year, we wrote him off. He was not good enough. He came yeah. back in the offseason, a fantastic offseason, and unfortunately, you know, sitting on seven goals, picks up that shoulder injury, he's out long term. But he was a guy that we said, wow, why would they bring him back? The only problem I see is with a Johnson, you've got Mason Toy just signed. Kyoto having another career year. Yeah. Ibrahim coming into his own. Mm-hmm. So now when you look at the depth chart, you keep dropping farther yeah. and farther. And that's just with your current roster. You add a couple of players on the offseason and they're looking going, we need something like they probably said, oh, we have enough coverage up top to be good with all these guys and they're going to fight for play for playing time. That's not the case. There's a clear hierarchy. Kyoto's number one. Mason Toy is number two. Ibrahim would be number three. And then you've got Johnson, and that's a question mark next to his name. So I don't know what you do in the offseason. Obviously, the salary is going to play a huge part in it. Uh, You sign this guy with expectations. He's going to be dangerous. This is a different league than any other league he's ever played in. This is a much more athletic, physical league. And I'm not sure he's suited to that. Even though he's a six-foot-five big guy, and we thought, wow, he's going to be great holding the ball up. 
he gets pushed around a lot and he doesn't win a lot of those battles and how Montreal plays is they like to play in behind and they need guys that are quick enough to get in behind defenders to stretch them out North South. He's not that type of player. So either they change the system when he's in the, in the thing, or he has to change his style of play and uh, old dogs don't learn new tricks very often. So I'm not sure if this is going to be a fit for him, but they're stuck with him for this year. They're stuck with him probably next year. I think that uh, they're going to have to look and say, all right, what are we going to do in the off season? But again, like Amy said, you might have no choice, but to go back to this guy in this Wednesday night matchup. Yeah. yeah. So uh, guys, we have a couple minutes left. I know we're all going to be in the building uh, tonight. We're recording on uh, Tuesday morning, uh, Canada, the women are in town. They had a big win over New Zealand and Ottawa five, one. Uh, now they're coming to Montreal. Uh, I'm not going to ask you to break down uh, New Zealand, Canada, Amy. It's a friendly, and I think you're there more to promote uh, the women's game tonight, which is uh, really, really cool. And I think those women all deserve it. And, and so do you, by the way, Amy, because uh, I know we kid you, but you did pave the way uh, for a lot of these women uh, that did win gold uh, in Tokyo. But uh, what does this tour, uh, Ottawa-Montreal, mean to the women's program, Amy? And second, I want your best Christine Sinclair story that I've never heard before, before we wrap up. Boy, putting me on the spot. I, yes. I'm going to have to think about that one. I'll answer your first question first. So the tour is it's their first games in Canada since 2019. So I think that's, that's big for the program. There needs to be more home games uh, oh. on, on the regular, not just after they've won gold. But uh, the fact that they're that they're on the East Coast, that they're in Montreal, I think that's terrific. It's great for the the homegrown players, and whether or not Vanessa Gill belongs to Quebec or Ontario will be debated. <laughs> but uh, there's Gabrielle Carl who's in there as well, and Evelyn Gangs, and um, another Quebecer got the call in. Um, I'm blanking on her name, but there's four Quebecers on the roster, so that's great for Quebec soccer. Uh, there's a new PEF program um, uh, that Quebec soccer has going now that providing opportunities to these U18 players, whether that's to go the NCA route, which I went, or to go play pro somewhere. Maybe not exactly like Jordan Heidema, who signed uh, with PSG right out of high school, but, you know, with opportunities uh, abound in Europe, but also uh, in the NWSL, I think it's it's great to show the young girls around here and they did on in Ottawa on the weekend and hopefully tonight the weather cooperates and where they're able to put on a, a great show. Christine Sinclair story. I don't know. I can't okay, think of something. Well, off next that. week, next week, you're going to have to give us a, uh, a Christine right. Sinclair story. I'm sure you guys, there's no way Amy doesn't have a great Christine. Of course Sinclair she does. Story. Of, of course, course I does. do, but there's the no right now, way. That's fine. We'll get it. We'll get it next week. It's all good. Uh, Grant, we have uh a minute left uh, before this recording ends. Just uh, final thoughts on uh, on Canada, New Zealand tonight. I think it's a huge opportunity. I'm going to be going with uh, Pierre Phone Soccer Association. Just our team alone. We bought 50 tickets. Bought 50 nice. tickets. I'm supposed to get two for free, uh, but uh, need a from to me. Out, from me. To figure out. Uh, I bought tickets and I'm giving you the free ones. No, I just think it's a huge opportunity. The girls are super excited. Not just the girls. I know that there's a whole bunch of associations bringing, and there's boys going, girls going. This is about soccer in Canada, and this is about looking at champions, not just a team that is put together that's you know did pretty good. This is champions best in the world is what you get to see today and this is something that everyone looks up to these are you know sports heroes and i'm super excited to go just to see the look on the faces of the players that i'm with and all the people around to see what 
champions look like. And I think it's something that we should uh, we shouldn't take for granted. And I think it's going to be a special evening. I'm with you, uh, but you do work with the champion every uh, CF Montreal game. Uh, with uh, I'm talking about myself, of course, on TSN 690. That's where you could catch uh, me, Grant Needham, and Amy Walsh on uh, CF Montreal Soccer Broadcast. Uh, guys, it was fun. And uh, let's try this again next week. And Amy, you have a week notice. I want a great Sinclair story. If you get her in trouble, that's fine. I don't mind. <laughs> I'm on it. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Thanks. This has been the 514 Soccer Podcast. You can find us on uh, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll record once a week. Uh, we'll try to do it on Tuesdays, but uh, Needham and Walshy, their schedules are all over the place. They're very busy, former national team players. So uh, we'll try to keep this uh, going and uh, have a great one. Enjoy the Forge game. Enjoy the Canada game. And hopefully CF Montreal can pick up three big points over the weekend.